Go with me to the book of Exodus today. I think that's where we're going to go. thankful for the truth of the Word of God. That's not just a statement. It is a declaration of my heart and my spirit. I am thankful for the truth of the Word of God. We live in a world that is filled with more than ever, that is filled with misinformation and disinformation with falsehood and propaganda, if you will, of the adversary. But the word is truth. It's truth. It's infallible. It's inerrant. It's truth. I'm thankful for the truth. The scripture is clear. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We need truth. We need truth, and we need a love for truth. The scripture was clear that in the last days there were those that fell away, and the Bible says that God himself sent a strong delusion. And the reason he did is because they did not have a love for the truth. We should love the truth. One place in Scripture, the writer said, buy the truth and sell it not. You say, you mean you can buy it? Well, if you study what he was declaring in terms of buy the truth was nothing is more valuable than the truth. Whatever it takes for you to lay hold on truth, it's going to be worth it. We need truth. I feel it more than ever before in my life, the need to declare the truth of the Word of God. It's the only thing that will save a lost and dying world. It's the only thing that will save you and I. We need truth. I hear Pilate declaring to the Lord Jesus Christ, what is truth? I think that's the cry of the world today. What is truth? By God's great grace and mercy, we have the truth. We need it. We need it. I said it in the earlier service, but it bears repeating or some similitude of this statement. I said in the early service, you know, the worst kind of truth or the worst kind of lie because is the one that's seasoned with just a little bit of truth because it becomes believable, even though it's still a lie. It's exactly what the adversary did in the garden is when he came to Eve and he tempted her, he said, Hath not the Lord said? And Eve said, he said, If we touch this tree or eat of this tree, we'll die. Well, the Lord never said anything about touching the tree. She opened her mind and her spirit to the deceiver, and she did not. And that's on Adam. It's on Adam. She didn't know what the Lord had said. You better know truth. 
You know, I work in, I've worked in financial institutions, banks, or credit unions for the last more than 25 years of my life. And so uh, a large part of that time, not so much the last five years, but 20-plus years of that, I worked uh, right in front of the member or the customer, did a lot of transacting with money and bills. And so you, you had to learn. I, I've seen my share of counterfeit bills in my life. And so you had to learn to spot a counterfeit. It was important. Uh, seen them in Yakima. I've seen them on the west side. At, uh, seen them when I worked in financial institutions in Arkansas. You just see them. They're out there. And the way that we learned in financial institutions to tell what a counterfeit was was not by looking at a bunch of different counterfeits. We learned what a real bill looked like. And when you knew truth, you could spot a lie. You might think this isn't true. Well, you'll, you'll believe me. You know, I trust you know I wouldn't lie to you. Somebody, and often, I, I never received a counterfeit bill from somebody that knew they had a counterfeit bill. Everybody that gave me one always like, what? Now, whether they were being honest or not, I don't know. But everybody that ever gave me a counterfeit bill didn't know it. But they'd give a stack of 20s, and I'd be counting them. And I'd touch one. I'm like, hold on a minute, something ain't right right there. I'd be flying through them like, I count pretty fast. And I, you just catch it in a moment. How did I know? I knew what the true one looked like and felt like. Something was off. Stop, take a look, take a look. What I look for? I looked for the identifiers that told me it was real. I knew what the, this is what the word of God is to us. Not a bill. It's truth. How do we spot error? How do we know if something is not true? How do we know if what is being propagated by churchdom is true or not? How do you know if what I'm telling you is true or not? The only way you can know, you've got to go to the Word of God. It doesn't matter what, what do I say. What matters is what does the Word of God say. You understand that in the context of what does the word say? It's how we know truth. And it's how we determine error is against the word of God. It's interesting. I was having a conversation with a, a co-worker the other day. And they were wrestling with the idea of a multiplicity of gods because they believe that. And uh, and it had been turning in them. And every time we get together, they want to ask a question. So they we covered some work stuff, and then they're like, "Okay, are we good there?" I'm like, "I, I think so, yeah." And they're like, "Okay, let's." I want to shift gears. I got a question for you. And they 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 dove right into this thing about multiplicity of gods. And uh, so I'm just listening. I'm just listening. I'm just listening. And I'm I never want to just rattle off scripture at people right I'm not interested in debate or just I'm not trying to throw a bunch of stuff at and I'm not interested in arguing debating scripture with people that 
people need truth. We need truth. I want the word of God that he wants to share with them that will put something in their spirit that will arrest their attention. Or at least will stay with them after we've gone our separate ways. Does this make sense? And so, I, I've, I heard the Lord. We were dri- I was driving. They were talking. I heard the Lord say to me, how many voices do I have? Isn't that a strange question? I don't know that I've ever asked that before or heard the Lord ask me that before. And so my coworkers continuing to speak. And so then I said, I have a question for you. How many voices does God have? I wasn't sure what I was going to answer. I just knew what I heard the Lord dealing with me about. So I said, how many voices does God have? And they responded, well, I believe God's got many voices. He's got. I'm listening. I said, how many voices do you have? He said, well, you know, I've I've got my dad voice. I've got my I've got my. uh, Husband voice, I've got my, I got, I got a, I said, no, 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 no. No, no, you've only got one voice. Now, you may use your voice different ways. You may change the tone of your voice. You may change how you use your voice depending on whom you're talking with or to. Your voice may change in terms of what you're saying or how you're saying it, depending, you know. I said, I may talk to my child when they were five or six different than I would. I said, you know, I remember, this comes to my mind, I didn't say this to him. But I had the thought, you know, I would come home from work sometimes and my wife says, I just need to have an adult conversation. She'd been talking to our kids all day when they were little. She She wasn't going, I need a different voice. She still just had one voice, you with me? So I asked her, I said, no, you got one voice, but how you use it matters. I said, God only has one voice. How he uses it may change, but that doesn't mean there's multiplicity of gods. He only has one voice. Well, that was that. And we had to go to work. I didn't say it so adamantly to him like that. We were just driving, talking in the car. But hear me. We need a love for truth. If the adversary can just distort truth just a little bit, it's no longer truth. In this last day in which we live, there will be a great falling away, the scripture tells us. And I believe the reason there will be a great falling away is because people will begin to accept and compromise They will accept lies and compromise the truth. We need a love for truth. We should know what the Bible says. Amen? Praise God. Why don't you lift your hands with me right now and thank the Lord for His Word and for truth. Could we do that together? I thank you for your Word. It is forever settled in heaven. Sanctify us through your truth, Lord. Your word is truth. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for the Holy Ghost today, Father. It is the spirit of truth. I worship you and I magnify you, God. 
Thank you for truth. Thank you for the revealing of yourself. Thank you for the revelation of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I don't know if I'm supposed to dismiss kids or not this morning. I think we have a few extra that come in, so we will dismiss. And, and Lily said, and then Lily said, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to dismiss kids to their classes. Amen. They'll have a blast. And they'll receive truth and the word of God. I am thankful for that. Amen. Praise God. Exodus chapter 3. We're just going to continue in this vein here. I didn't plan on all that. but Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Exodus 3 and 13 says this. Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel, and shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? Isn't that a great question? Sorry, I think I got a small piece of a mint in the wrong pipe there. And they shall say to you, what is his, or say to me, what is his name? This is Moses asking this question. What do I say to them? And God said to Moses, notice his response. I am that I am. You ever got an answer that you're like, can you give me a little more? I wonder if Moses felt that way. I wonder if there was like a long pause. Nope, that's it. I am that I am. Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. The Lord knew that was enough. Because what is he declaring? Here's exactly what he's declaring. Not the I was, not the I will be. The I am. The ever-present, eternal, from everlasting to everlasting God. The I am. The eternally existent one has sent them, has sent you. Moses, when you go, all they need to know is the eternally existent one is the one that sent you. And so when he declared to them, I am has sent me, they could receive that. Now watch. This is important. This is going to stay pretty basic today, but I have felt this so strongly in the Holy Ghost this morning. We need truth. The book of John, chapter 8. You fast forward to the New Testament. We could have spent a lot more time in the Old Testament right there, but here we are. And we may point back a few times. The book of John, chapter number 8. Let's start with verse number. Twenty one. John eight and twenty one. Then said Jesus again to them, he's speaking to some religious leaders. He's been around the temple, around the treasury even. 
Then said Jesus again to them, I go my way, and you shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, you cannot come. Ouch. Those are strong words, aren't they? You'll seek me, and you'll die in your sins. That sounds like they're going to seek him but not find him, doesn't it? Hence the result of dying in their sins. Whither I go, you cannot come. Verse 22. Now here's this. Verse 22 is this human reasoning going on. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he says, whither I go, you cannot come. Verse 23, he said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. Now watch these words that he says. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. How many of you are reading from a King James Bible right now? How many of you see that word he in your King James Bible? Where it says, except you believe not that I am he. You see that in your Bible? See the word he? Is it in italics? Yeah? It's in italics in your King James Bible, isn't it? You know why it's in italics? It means it was added after the translation. It means it wasn't in the original. But for readability, it means the translators added that word. Anytime you see, this is something you should know about the King James. Anytime you see a word in italics in the King James like that, in the middle of a scripture, it means the translators added it for readability. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're going to read it without that. Jesus said, I said therefore unto you, that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am. You get that? Man, I feel like Holy Ghost up here so strong right now. Jesus said. Who's talking? You're listening. Thank you. Jesus said. You'll die in your sins if you don't believe I am. Hold on just a minute. Moses, here's who you tell them sent you. I am the eternally existent one. The God that was before they ever existed and that will be after they've existed. Moses, tell them, I am sent you. And then Jesus was standing before the Jews a few thousand years later. And he said, except you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. John 1 and 1, John declared in the beginning, the beginning of time as we know it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Is that what it says? I'm going to say it again. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. I'm just going to keep reading, Brother Jerry, so hopefully you can keep up. The Word was with God. 
And the word, or sorry, verse 2, just keep moving. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. I, I am trusting the spirit of revelation right now to begin to minister into your heart and your life. God is wanting to reveal and manifest himself to you if you will allow him to do so. The light shines in darkness. The darkness doesn't understand it. There was one sent from God. Keep going. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That all men, that was the light which lighteth every man that entereth into the world. Keep going. He was in the world. Watch, watch, watch. The light was in the world. The world was what? Whoa, hold on a minute. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Yes? He, who's He? The Word, the light, right? The same, that's who we're talking about here. He was in the world. And the world was, what? Well, he's in the world, but he also made the world. That's what the word says. And the world knew him not. Verse 11. He came to his own. His own received him not. But to as many as received him, the word. To them gave he power to become As many as received him. That's critical. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Notice there's a colon there. Verse 13 is a further definition of what it means to receive him and believe on his name. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh. In other words, this isn't a natural birth. Nor of the will of man, but of God. They were born of God. Verse 14, watch. And the Word. Hold on, who's the Word? God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Yes? He was in the world. And the world was made by Him. We're still talking about God. We're still talking about the Word. And the Word, that's the reason Word has a capital W there. It's speaking of God. The Word was what? The Word. The living God that made the worlds and all things therein was made flesh. How in the world is that possible? Because he's God. And he can do that which is impossible to men. And the almighty God that created the earth chose to dwell in the earth. How did he do so? God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. 
This is why Jesus said, except you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Go back to John 8. We're just, we can read all of John 8, but we're not for sake of time. Let's, let's read a little further. Now, we, we could and should probably read all of John 8, but you go read it this afternoon. It's a great Bible study. Read it, write notes, scribble, do all that, you know, doodle in your Bible. There are notes so you can go back and get it. But watch. Now, skip all the way down. He's had this ongoing back and forth exchange with these religious Jews there talking about trying to reveal himself. But he's already told, right, they're mad. You'd be mad, too, if he said you're going to die in your sins. He was trying to reveal himself to them because they were looking for Messiah to come. And he was trying to help them to understand Messiah is with you right now. Because the Jews know when they're looking for a Messiah, they are looking for God to come manifest in the flesh. They just didn't realize he was already there. But watch, skip all the way down to verse 52. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that you have a devil. You can tell they're getting fired up now, aren't you? They're telling Jesus he's got a devil. Now we know that you have a devil. Here's why we know. This is their reasoning. This is human reasoning. Abraham is dead, right? That's their their father, Abraham. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And you say, if a man keeps my saying, he shall never taste of death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself? See, this, this, you see what they're wrestling with? If what you're saying is true, you're making yourself out to be God. And they're not receiving that. So they're asking, who do you make yourself? Verse 54. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. He's speaking of himself as a man, the flesh. It is my father that honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. How is his father honoring him? We know from when he came down into the Jordan when God said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Not with whom, in whom I am well pleased. He honored him, it pleased the father to dwell in the son. All right? Yet, Jesus says, You have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like you. Man, he is not pulling any punches with the idiot. Right? He's trying to reveal himself. This is critical. This is truth. Knowing who Jesus is matters. If I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your fa- Now, this, get ready, watch. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and he was glad. Verse 57, human reasoning. Then said the Jews unto him, you're not yet 50 years old. Now the reality was he wasn't yet 40 years old, but they were just playing it safe like all of us would if we were guessing somebody's age. You're not yet 50 years old. Have you seen Abraham? What are you talking about? Abraham rejoiced to see my day. You're not 50. Abraham's dead and buried and long gone hundreds of years ago. 
What do you mean he rejoiced to see your day? Have you seen Abraham? Right, they're thinking this guy's crazy because they're human reasoning. Verse 58, Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. I am. Except you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Now, well, here we are. Do you know why the adversary has perpetrated a false doctrine? That would paint God into multiplicity. Because if he could get people to believe God is multiple persons. They would never believe that he is the I am. If the adversary can paint a falsehood. That makes Jesus out to be a second person. Rather than God the I am. You with me? Except you believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. And so what does the adversary do? He's subtle. The adversary doesn't care how he damns a soul for eternity. He came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you would have it more abundantly. But the adversary says, you know what? Some people are going to be religious no matter what I do. And so what I'll do is I'll use religion to deceive them so that they'll believe a lie and they'll still be lost. Because except you believe, Jesus said, that I am, you'll die in your sins. And so 300 years after Christ, 300 years after Christ, a group of religious men got together in a city called Nicaea. And at the council of Nicaea or the Nicene council, these religious men came up with something that 300 years after the church, 300 years after Christ, this was nothing Christ ever developed or taught, But the adversary said, if I can just twist truth, I can deceive many, and thereby many will be defiled. And I'll twist truth. What will I do? I'll go to the very core of the truth of the word of God, and I'll seek to get them to believe a lie that Jesus is not the I am. I'll try to convince people to believe that Jesus is simply a second person in a Godhead. I'll get them to separate Jesus from God so that he's not in and of himself God, but just a person in the... Matter of fact, I'll take it further. I'll split God into three different 
persons, and I'll get them so confused that they can't even explain it. That they'll have God in three persons, and they'll make the Holy Ghost out to be a person, and they'll make God, which is a spirit, to be a person, and they'll make Jesus to be, and they'll have God, and I'll have them so confused when they try to explain it, and I'll deceive them in their religiosity. And then they'll not believe that Jesus is he. Except you believe that I am. You'll die in your sins. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word God was made flesh and dwelt among us. Why? So that we could behold the glory of the father full of grace and truth. The only way we can behold the glory of the father is in the manifestation of him fully and completely in the son. God is a spirit. No man hath seen God at any time. So the only way God could make himself manifest is to come and wrap himself in flesh. I know a lot of you know this, but we need to we need to hear it. We need to lay hold on the truth of the word of God. This is why. Hear me. Deuteronomy chapter six. Put it there. Deuteronomy chapter six. You hear Jesus telling the Jews before Abraham was, I am. Response was to that in verse 59. They took up stones to cast at him. Why? Because he made himself to be God to a Jew when he made that statement. They were saying, He's saying he's the Messiah. He's declaring that he's God in the flesh, which we're waiting on. And they said, That's blasphemy. We're going to, because they didn't believe he was him. Not because they have issue with the idea of God coming and manifest himself in the flesh. They expect that. They believe the prophet Isaiah when they read it. The prophet Isaiah declares his coming. The reality is the Jews just didn't realize he came. And so when he returns for his church. Not when he returns for his church. When he returns the second coming. You with me? Sorry, I don't want to confuse anybody. There is the Lord coming for his church. And then there is the second coming of the Lord. Those are two different things in scripture. Okay. Sorry, I know this. Not sorry. This is basic. But we need to understand the scripture so we know truth. The Lord will come to catch his church away. We often call that the rapture. The Bible calls it the catching away of the church. The scripture is very clear. He will come in the clouds. And we which are. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord. Where? In the air. Okay, so he hasn't come back to the earth. We're caught up to meet him in the air or the atmosphere. We're caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The second coming is when he returns to the earth. He'll set his feet down on the earth. It's what he was talking about when he told them on the uh, day of his ascension. He said, the angel stood and said, he'll come again in like manner as you've seen him go. 
when he comes and sets his feet down on the earth again, when he comes and descends upon the Mount of Olives, that will be the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when he will establish his kingdom on the earth. That will be the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ that we read about. That's the second coming. We all right? All right, this is important. And at his second coming, when he sets his feet down on the earth. You and I, by the way, we're in the church, we're filled with the Holy Ghost. We're going to come with him. That's why the catching away has to happen before that. And so we're going to come with him. And the Jews are going to ask this question. The ones he was speaking to. When he said, except you believe I am, you'll die in your sins. They're going to ask him this question when the Lord comes. The Messiah that they're waiting on, God manifested in the flesh. Here's the question they're going to ask him. What are these wounds in your hands and in your feet and in your side? And the Lord Jesus Christ will respond. These are the wounds I received in the house of my friends. And their eyes will be open. And they will see the Messiah came. And we missed him. It's in your Bible. This is why Jesus declared when he walked to the earth. Except you believe that I am. You'll die in your sins. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I hasten to finish. We need to understand. This is the foundation. Deuteronomy 6 is the foundation. Of faith. For all of those that Jesus was ministering to. In the gospels. The Jews. Right? When the woman who had a child afflicted with demonic spirits came, Jesus said to her, It's not meat to take, it's not uh, reason to take meat from the master's table and give it to the dogs. He said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Those were the words of Jesus. He said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so his ministry, his earthly ministry, yes, it opened the door for the Gentiles. Thank you, Jesus. But the reason it opened the door is because the Jews rejected him. And so he turned to you and I as Gentiles and grafted us as wild branches into the olive tree. He took out the natural branch, the Jews, it's in your Bible, And he grafted you and I, the Gentiles, in the wild olive branch. When we're filled with the Holy Ghost, we're grafted in. He's the vine, right? We're the branches. He grafts us in, but he did that with a purpose. We get the benefit of being saved by the blood of the Lamb. But he also did it to provoke the Jews to jealousy. It's in your Bible. Watch, this is the foundation of the Jewish faith right here. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord, your God, commanded to teach you. 
that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. Verse 2. Now we're going to see those. That you might fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your son's son, all the days of your life. Notice when you see you, your son, and your son's son, he's saying generation to generation to generation to generation. You should keep this. And that your days may be prolonged. Verse 3. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you in the land that flows with milk and honey. Verse 4. Now this is the beginning. Everything else has been explaining why he's doing it and their need to respond to it. Now he's telling them what to do and what commandments and statutes to walk in all the days of their life. And generation, you with me? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is what? Is one Lord. That's where he started with them. Here. That word here there doesn't just mean here. It means pay attention, take notice, and heed. Oh, Israel. Everything else hinges on this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That word here there in the Hebrew is Shema. And in, in Hebrew, oftentimes a group of sayings of the Lord are known by the first word in that group of sayings. This that follows this is known to the Hebrews as the Shema. Because the first word is Shema. And it is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Notice there's a colon there. So now we see what do we do with that. And you shall love who? The Lord thy God. Which Lord? The one Lord. You shall love the one Lord thy God. With all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Now watch. All your heart, all your soul, all your might, the love from those places should all go to who? The one God. That's the foundation of their faith. And Jesus said, except you believe that I am. You'll die in your sins. So here's the battle for the Jew that's in Jesus' day. If they don't believe he's the Messiah, they can't worship him. Because to worship him would be a violation of the Shema. Does that make sense? If they don't believe he's God in the flesh, because they're waiting for God in the flesh. Read Isaiah's prophecies. And so if they don't believe he's God in the flesh, they can't worship him. And they show their lack of belief by their statements. And Jesus addressed their lack of belief with his word when he said, except you believe. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Would you stand with me here?
We should know whom we serve. We should know who it is we worship. One of my favorite stories, one of, not my only, but one of my favorite stories is somebody receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Somebody that received it in Kazakhstan. They did not speak English at all. And when the Lord filled them with the Holy Ghost, they began declaring in tongues. Understand, tongues is a language you have not learned. You begin to speak in a language you haven't learned. Right? On the day of Pentecost, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And it says there were, it named all the different ones that were there at that time of year. And it said they all heard them speak in their own language the wonderful works of God. What was happening? I'll tell you what was happening. Those people getting filled with the Holy Ghost began to speak in other tongues. And they were hearing things declared, truths declared about God in their language by people who did not know their language. Read it, Acts chapter 2. So this young lady that was receiving the Holy Ghost in Kazakhstan, who did not speak English, began to declare in perfect English, Jesus is the one true God of the Bible. Jesus is the one true God of the Bible. Jesus is. And the minister that was there, he said, does that lady speak English? He said, no. He said, do you hear what she's saying? said, yes. In perfect English, she just kept declaring over and over as God baptized her with the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the one true God of the Bible. Jesus is the one true God of the Bible. I say it firmly and unapologetically this morning. There are not Three persons in the Godhead. There is only one. His name is Jesus. And except we believe that he is, we will die in our sins. This is why Paul in his letter to the Colossians said of the Lord Jesus Christ. In him, speaking of Jesus Christ... In him dwelleth all. Everybody say all. Paul said, in him, in Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you catch that? In him dwells all the fullness. And you're complete in him who is the head. Jesus. Of all principality and power. I have a question for you. If Jesus is the second person in a Godhead, 
How is Jesus the head of all, all principality and all power? Because that would mean that Jesus has all power that belongs to God the Father. Well, that doesn't work if you've got God broke up in your universe. But if we understand what Jesus said, I am. Then we realize the reason Jesus could declare unto me is given all power in heaven and in earth. You know, there is a, this is not at all what I had thought we were going to talk about today, but here we are. I feel such a witness of the Holy Ghost. You know, there are what's called Messianic Jews. Anybody ever heard that term? Messianic Jews are Jews that believe what we believe. They believe that when Jesus Christ came, he was the Messiah. You get a Messianic Jew and you start talking with them. And you ask them about God in three persons, they may laugh at you. The reason many non-Messianic Jews won't even give an ear to Christianity in our world is because of the twisting of truth that promotes a God in three persons that violates everything they've been taught from a child day after day after day of here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and him only shalt thou serve. And so the moment that Christianity, I use that term in its broadest sense, not in the scriptural true sense, but the moment that Christianity, 300 years after Christ, propagated a false doctrine whereby they took the truth and split God into three persons and created a new word at that time. And the word they created in 300 A.D. at the Council of Nicaea, you can go read about it in the Nicene Creed, is a word that you may have heard before. It was a word called the Trinity. It was created 300 years after Christ at the Council of Nicaea. And you know why? Deceive many. And you also know why? Because it's a lot more profitable to market God in three persons than just one. Now I can market a son. Now I can market a father. Now I can market the Holy Spirit. I can sell you paraphernalia for all three. And I'll profit from this. I'm telling you. How do I know this? Because I know the love of money is the root, but not of some evil, of all evil. And if you study history, Constantine wanted to control the world. But he saw what was happening with Christendom. 
And he thought, i got to get control of Christendom before it gets out of control completely. And he called the Council of Nicaea, created a Christian city, Constantinople. Notice he didn't call it Christian, whatever. He called it after his own name. That should tell you something. Called it Constantinople. Council, had the Council of Nicaea, under, and the Trinity began propagated. Well... I don't think I've ever taught all that before, but here we are. We need truth. We need a love for truth. And we must believe that he is the I am. Paul said it this way in Corinthians, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. How did God reconcile the world to himself? By being robed in flesh in Christ. Would you talk to the Lord where you are right now? Would you pray an anointing upon your mind and the minds of those you come in contact with that there can be a flow of ministry of his spirit? There must be revelation and understanding of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. There must be revelation and understanding of the one true God in Christ Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for this everlasting truth of who you are, the revelation of who you are. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for this revelation of who you are, that you are the mighty God in Christ, that in you dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, that we are complete in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you today. I pray your anointing upon the mind of every soul that would hear this truth. I pray the revelation of truth, the revelation of who you are. In the name of Jesus, let it sweep across these valleys. Let it sweep across our world. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Hallelujah. Before you go, would you, I want you to get this. Would you put 1 Timothy 3.16 on the screen, please? The scripture says, without controversy... Notice, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, hold that thought right there. People take and twist this and go, see, see, it's a mystery, it's a mystery, it's a mystery. They misunderstand the word. Look at the Greek word mysterion and see what it means. It's something that's not easily understood. You need supernatural revelation for understanding. It's not meant to remain a mystery. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Notice, colon, now we're going to get further definition. Look at that first line there after the colon. God, who? God God was what? God was manifest in the flesh. To be manifest is to be revealed. God was manifest in the flesh. 
Not a second person of God. Not God Jr. God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the Spirit. Seen of angels. Preached to the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. And received up into glory. When you and I get to heaven. And I trust and pray and believe. We'll all be there. If we believe he's here. When we look. Revelation is clear. There was one. Who sat upon the throne. There's not going to be three different thrones. There's only one on the throne. And he has a name. It is a name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Not die in their sin. Upon this earth.